Thank you all for tuning into the Josh Terry podcast brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. Want to give a big shout out to all of our sponsors Two Pilots Distillery, Derm Dude, Par Hopper Golf Apparel, Straight Haggard Thread Company, Grid Iron Coffee, Nobles Networking, our uh, management company and distribution company. Uh, Red Circle, thank you for putting a little change in our pocket. And don't forget the, about the guys over at Drizzly. Look them up now. You'll hear their ad run in the middle of the show. Don't let it scare the hell out of you. Today on the show, uh, I've got a fellow I'm very, very excited to, uh, to talk to. Somebody who's got some real country roots, some red dirt roots. He's out of Nashville right now, but he's got a whole lot of Texas in him. He's got a whole lot of everywhere in him. Uh, if you haven't heard if you had if you haven't heard uh too much about him yet, you're gonna listen to every one of his songs by the time we get done bullshitting today. Well, I had to introduce y'all to Mr. George Dukas. Hey, cheers, Josh. Cheers, brother. Cheers to you, man. Cheers, man. <laughs> uh, I about said George Lucas. I'm a, you know I'm, what, I, I'm a nerd. I'm hey, a nerd. You would not be the first. Uh, you know, I mean, you know. Maybe you're a big uh, Star Wars fan. I, I don't am. know, but yeah, no, I, I get that. You know, I get that. They're like George Lucas. I'm like, no, if that was George Lucas, I'd, I would have bought an island somewhere or maybe two or three of them. You would not be talking to me right now. If I would have been George Lucas and I'd been you, I'd have bought Nashville and kicked half the son of a bitches out of it. Oh, long ago, <laughs> long ago, bro, long ago. Don't. Th- I, I, I probably would have just not even been in Nashville at all, which I'm about to not be anyway. So, um, but yeah, I mean. I just always tell people, yeah, it's, I'm still telling people it's weird 20 years later, but I'm like, yeah, it's, it's like George Lucas, but with a D. Uh, so I got you. Well, um, well folks, the, the way we met is, uh, I posted some stuff, uh, on Instagram. I'm always looking for new people. Second, I saw this guy, uh, I had to add him, um, his credentials and everything caught me right off guard. Or, and I was like, I got to dive into him. some. I started listening to his music. And as soon as I did, I hit him up and he was nice enough to message me back. Uh, yeah, man. Well, even though, even though you got the cool blue check mark and everything, so you're way cooler than I am. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're one of the few that's got the official title that where you're like, okay, I'm just going to talk to this little fellow right here. So, man, it, you're, you the what, dude, you're the real it's deal. It's not like it's not like that, brother. I, I I looked at your account and I was like, man, this guy seems super cool. Like people genuinely like like him, and that's you know, blue check mark or not, you can't fake that. You know, yeah. and you you know the way people respond to you you personally and your show, you know, your it, 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 it comes across and that, that's what, I don't really care about blue check marks, to be oh, quite honest with you, man. Like, but like, cause I mean, you, some of those people on the gram, you know, you look at them, you're like, what, how, how do they even have a blue check mark? Like, what have you done besides look pretty or whatever, you know, like it's crazy. Like, um, but anyway, yeah. When I looked at your stuff, I was like, man, is this guy from, I told you that before we started this show, I was like, is this guy from Texas or it seems like he's from Texas or he loves Fort Worth or he's down there a lot. And I just thought, I kind of thought you were a Texas boy. And, and I was like, he seems really cool. And I, I, I was, I was glad we connected, man. Really grateful for that. Uh, the good Lord knew that if I grew up in Texas, I probably would have been a whole lot more trouble by now than I already have been. I think I would have had a whole lot more fun growing up out there. Uh, it, I don't know, man. Y'all have a pretty good time in Georgia. It, I, we do, but everything about Texas is home to me. I can't explain it. And it's not like I've spent a whole lot of time. I've literally spent the equivalent of two weeks of my life in Texas. And right. there's something about it that is home. And I, I don't know what it is. I'm big on manners and I'm big on respect. 
And it's like everyone that you meet out there. I have not ran across anyone yet that has just been a complete asshole or rude. Everyone's just, it seems like they were raised the same way I was raised here is few far and in between the ones that are raised like me and think like me were more of the rural farm kids. And it's like everyone there seems that way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. Probably not. As you know, I mean, yeah. you oh, I know. it's hard to make sweeping statements about populations that are in the millions you know yeah. but like but i know what you mean it's a vibe you know it's a vibe and, and um there's a lot you know texas does have its own mindset i mean and even those that aren't from texas originally like which i am and i miss it greatly and i'm, I'm looking i'm trying to make plans to move back there i'm just waiting for my son to finish high school and and he's he's going to apply to several texas schools and Hopefully he gets into one and uh, and it's one that he wants to go to and one that we feel strongly about. So if he moves there, man, that's a clincher because my dad's still there. My stepmom's still there. And like, I just, I want to be closer to them. But then if my son goes there too, it's going to be absolutely a no brainer. Where'd you grow but up? You're right. but, but to your point, to your point about, about the attitudes of, you know, the rural sort of the rural Georgia folk that you grew up with. And then some of the Texas people, there is a commonality. And, and I think there's a difference too. like George is a little more, a little bit more, a little bit more of a, maybe a Bible belty kind of attitude. Texas is more like a lot of Christians for sure, which is in my book, a good thing, but they don't really wear it on their sleeve quite as much. And they don't judge quite as much, you know, absolutely. It, it, and no, no disrespect to anybody in, in the Bible belt, but, there is that general little bit of a Bible belt vibe. That's a little judgy sometimes. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't really, maybe because I'm from Texas, I, that's never really hit me. Like I, I've never really liked that part of religion or Christianity. Like let's don't judge like, cause man, yeah, that's one of the first things. That's one of the first things we're taught, you know? So. Yeah. There's not enough people that don't, that uh, don't understand that little bit that you just said right there. And it, yeah. You're exactly right. Maybe that's what I'm missing. Maybe it's the fact that you get the people that still believe in the same stuff that I believe uh, out there, and they just don't – they don't seem like they're – you don't feel like everybody's just looking at you weird yeah. out there, you know? Yeah, it's sort of like you're – you sort of like you're free to do your own thing. It's a little yeah. bit more of a Wild, wild West kind of attitude, you know? Like, um, I don't mean – it's cool. Like, everybody's sort of free to do their own thing and, and, and people respect one another, I think, you know, for the most part, you know, it's a really, it's a really different feel once you cross that state line. It really, really is. Yeah. I've, uh, I've tried to explain it to some of my buddies and like, they just don't, they don't get it. And I did, I don't <laughs> think you could have, I really don't think you could have explained it to me until I was out there, but like, I'll even say this, like, uh, the year before, not this time when we went last year, um, uh, there was like this incident where this man and this woman got into it in a bar. And in Georgia, I know that I would have stood up and I would have been like, Hey, uh, I'm finna kick your ass if you put your hands on her. But it was literally every single man in this bar was fixing to snatch this dude up for putting his hands on her. And yeah. it was just like this whole thing. I don't know for me as a girl dad and just me is the way that I was raised. I love seeing that if one person gets out of line and it's something that's morally wrong, you're going to see the whole place 
finna kick somebody's ass together. That's why I think that don't mess with Texas attitude is right. is beautiful. I love it. Yeah. No, you're not you're not wrong. Absolutely. That's a cool, that's a cool, that's a cool little uh anecdote you just told there. Um, so where'd you grow up at in Texas? Was that in Fort Worth? Yes, it was. It was at uh the I found my bars there. I found my three bars there this year. Uh, I like the white elephant before it gets too packed. I really oh, yeah. like that place. I really like it. Then I like the Longhorn Saloon. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a little bit more open and big. Uh, and then I like the the Rodeo Exchange. I think's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. The more the honky tonk place. I love a honky tonk. I like. I love a good ass honky tonk. If yeah. Georgia, if Georgia had like an our area had an actual honky-tonk, a country club, it would murder. And mm-hmm. nobody wants to do a honky-tonk anymore. They don't want to – there's a place called Whiskey River here in Macon. Um, now there's a place called Crazy Bull. Shout out to Mr. Rick and Kim uh, that we do shows with them, and it's great. Uh, but they yeah. have to cater to their crowd. There's a college that there. They have to cater to it. I know them. I know how much they love country music. Mm-hmm. and But you got to cater to your crowd. But there used to be a place there called Whiskey River, and they didn't give a shit until it got to the end of – their days there and then they started catering to a certain crowd and uh, it killed them mr yeah. rick and them's doing it a way better job than what they ever did but uh that was the yeah. last time that's the last time a honky tonk's been around here dude and I, I just love one i hate that nashville don't really have them besides no, that besides nashville uh, what's the one i like so much uh i don't go to broadway one of my buddies no. plays one of my buddies plays aj's that's the only time i go down there but i used to go to the stuff offered the Mumbrian, but it's too packed for me now. Opryland's got Palace and Music City. Music City, I like. Um, do uh, yeah. do you get, Pal- those are the only places I like up there now. Yeah, Palace is all right too. I mean, yeah. it, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't make a trip across town to go there. But I mean, if something's going on that I know about and some friends are involved or I'm playing it or whatever, which is rare. But I mean, I hardly play Nashville. Pretty much the only time I play Nashville. Quite honestly, man, it's like CMA Fest when, you know, they ask me to be on that. And it's not like the main hip and cool stage. It's usually like, you know, the retro-y kind of stage, you know, the 90s country kind of thing. And um, which is funny because I'm still making music now, but I guess I started making music in the 90s. So that's where I, that's where they stick me. But it's fine. And, and I'm honored to do it. You know, there's some really talented, great, you know, folks on that stage all wind up crossing paths with buddies that I probably that I shared stages with 20 years ago, you know, or, or more and Tracy Lawrence or whoever, you know, like, so it's always good to cross paths with those cats. Cause that's pretty much the only time I see them, but I CMA fest or the Opry uh, on, on the occasions that, that they call me to go, you know, go fill in for somebody or something. And, uh, you know, I'll go do my thing at the Opry and that's always an honor, you know, it really is. That's one of the ultimate honors. Cause man, it's just a hallowed, it's a hallowed ground. You know, that stage is super, super cool. And, and, and I've had my moments playing uh, the Ryman when Ricky Skaggs used to host, host a uh, TV show. I don't know what, what country channel it was on, but he did a, I think it was called the Ryman with Ricky Skaggs, or I don't know what the, what the show was called, but I did a, did a TV show there with him. That was really, that was really cool too. Cause he stayed on stage when you played your couple of songs and he would sing harmonies to your tunes, which, you know, he's a bluegrass guy. So, I mean, having him sing some honky tonk harmony, third part harmonies on, um, or, 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 you know, third above harmonies 
to, you know, some of your, you know, you know, my country shuffle stuff and, you know, whatever the case may be, was really, really cool. You know, it was really cool to have him involved in that and to have it sort of, sort of forever documented, you know, on, now on YouTube, you know, it's pretty, pretty neat stuff. Yeah. My, uh, my granddaddy, he, he really ingrained bluegrass in us. Um, so Ricky Skaggs was always one of those that it'll forever be. Who else? I, like Doc Watson or who, who, who was he into? Or did you, like, I, I'll be honest with you, besides for Ricky Skaggs, there's probably not going to be much more I can name. Uh, I could sit here and try to bullshit with you. I just know yeah. that Ricky was probably the main one uh, that I, I would remember. We used to have bluegrass. Well, he kind of, he kind of, he kind of, he kind of crossed the bridge between bluegrass and country. You know, I mean, there was a time when, you know, the when Nashville kind of made him sort of part of the Nashville, you know, machine, and he was part of sort of mainstream country. And uh, I don't know how long that lasted. Probably not as long as maybe it has for others, but longer than certainly for some. And, and it's never as long as you want, you know, cause unless you're, you know, there's very few artists out there that are like right in that sweet spot for decades, you know, like, I mean, you could just put pretty much on one hand, you know, guys that have just continued to have the machine, you know, around them, they continue to make art maybe like I am, but like, you're not part of like a multi-million dollar sort of effort to get get it out there and so then you got to figure out other ways to get it out there but like there's only a few i mean there's willie been doing it for a long time the stones been doing it for a long time you know they're still out there doing it and or or you know and there's there's a number of others i mean there's i don't i don't know who in the country realm kenny chesney you know for whatever that's all about but you know he still gets i think played on country radio i don't know because i don't really listen to country radio but yeah i don't listen to it but he's still out on, you know, doing his major tour yeah. thing and it's crazy, but he's able to do that, you know, but there's not very many that are, you know, that sort of stay on that sort of precipice for decades, multiple decades. I think, I think most of them get burned out or I think most of them just, I think some folks don't want to give in like to changing it up. I, well, that's, well, that, well, that's me. Yeah, I'm glad you <laughs> like, did. I, I, like, I don't, I don't want to write bro country. I don't even mm. want to write it for somebody else. I sure as hell don't want to sing it, but I don't want to write it either. Don't put me in that room. I don't give a shit. I just don't give a shit. Can I say shit? You can say whatever the hell you want to on this show. Okay, all yeah, right, this, good. Yeah. You can say whatever. Like, we, I mean, I know the state of country music right now is just—it's sad, man. It's sad. I mean, commercial country music. There's a lot of good country music out there. A lot of great female, you know, artists. Oh, absolutely. Out there that are on the fringe, you know, that are doing really, really cool stuff, really fresh, really sincere, authentic. And man, I mean, that's the number one requirement to me. It's like, if you're not, if what you're doing isn't something you feel that it's not authentic, how do you expect it? If it doesn't move you authentically, how you, how in the world do you expect it to move anybody else? Like, I don't know. I mean, but you know, it happens. I mean, there's some inauthentic stuff that's hugely successful. So I mean, and we talked off air about it, yeah. like what the state of radio and what constitutes, you know, how they make their decisions and what goes behind it with the, the marketing dollars around it and the players involved. And we all, you know, if you're on the inside of this business, you kind of know how it works. And maybe that's too much to even share with people who aren't in this business. But yeah, it's not a perfect, it's definitely not a perfect world out there. And the, the, the best stuff, cream does not always rise to the top. No, absolutely not. It. And that's not me talking like, I'm not like bitter about it. I'm really, really not. Cause I, this business has been really, it's blessed me in a lot of ways for 
a, a lot longer than it has for most people. Um, but you know, it's, it's just, you know, you want to see the best get out there and, and, and artists rewarded for their efforts and their creativity and their vision, you know? Well, well that's my problem is we, uh, we did a show up in Nashville at the end of uh, January. And uh, if, if you ever want to go back to listen to what real country, well, not real country, but real hearts of country music is what I'm going to say. Uh, right. We did a show. It's called, uh, I think it's called Last Night in Nashville. It ends up being like a four-hour long show. And it starts off by like me and six, seven other people just sitting around a table, all songwriters, uh, musicians, and everything. And uh, we're just all bullshit. And then we decide, you know, when's the last time you guys – got to actually sit around, have some drinks, play songs that mean something to you, and it wasn't work, that it was actually fun. And so, like, instead of them playing songs that, like, they were, like, getting cut or whatever, it was, like, play stuff that means something to you. So then it goes on, like, this four-hour tandem. I bet, of, half of them, I bet half of them were like, oh, shit. Yeah, I can't think of it. <laughs> I can't think it. of anything. That was literally the answer was they could not remember the last time they had to, they got a chance to sit around with their friends like they used to when they loved music to where it wasn't a job anymore to where it was actually just like a pleasure to play music. And then you got to hear like some some beautiful women uh, voices like Brianna Young and Kimberly Atwood sing George Jones and Keith Whitley. And then they did everything. Uh, everything that glitters isn't gold as a group. And all, all this other stuff that just sounds amazing. John Fox did Little Rock. Uh, I mean, so like it, there's so many things that was really good came out of it. And you, just awesome. and you just realize like it becomes a job and it becomes so strenuous and such a pain in the ass the way that some people are treated because it, it, it does – the best doesn't always get out there. And that's where, that's where I do my best. When I find people like my friends, when I find people like you, when I find artists that are so damn good and have something worth saying and their talent just, for whatever reason, ain't getting played where it should get played. I think it's with my following on the show and everything that I'm supposed to put people out like you. Like I'm supposed that it is my job in my mind to where I'm supposed to share this because this is the shit. This is the shit that's supposed to be out there. Not, I'm not knocking anybody on radio. By all means, get paid. But what you, to simplify what you said a while ago, it's the rich getting richer. It's people fattening their pocketbooks, it's country radio and everything else. They want their music played. If it ain't their music, they don't want it played. And they're going to do their best to stop their stuff getting played. Now, uh, we've, we've got like a really good friend, uh, Priscilla Block, She and we love her to death. And she was talented way before social media. And now she's shining through with, I think she just got nominated for something on CMT Awards. And so, oh, so shout out to Priscilla. She, she's been one of our buddies for a long time. Like she deserves it. But there's some people that it's just like, I don't get it. And it's, it's not also, it's not also for me to get. Like I don't, I'm not going to understand everybody's talent. But the fact that there's people that you know, there's people that I know that you can't sit there and you cannot figure out for the life of you why they're not on radio, but somebody else is. There's something right. wrong. There's something wrong. Sure. Well, I mean, it's just not all about the music, man. It's, yeah. and, you, and you know this, it's about the it's about the business behind the music and the team around the project and the team around the artist, the management, the management, the booking agent, the label or whatever you call a label these days, because I don't even know that 
it has to be a traditional re record label. It, just, it could just be an investor group that's making the decisions of how to outsource the marketing and the, the, the PR and the social media and all those other little distribution of, of the music and, and who to hire to get the thing playlisted and, you know, find, get it in the right hands of influential tastemakers like yourself or whatever the case, man. But they, there's a whole team around those. There's a reason why those, those want somebody successful over somebody who's not, it's not the music all the time. It's the music's got to have some baseline level of validity, but after that, man, it's all about the business. It's all about the dollars and the marketing dollars specifically that are spent and how they're spent and who's spending them and whose numbers are in whose Rolodexes or in, in whose contacts on their phone, you know, and who's making the call, who's making the call to get something done. That's critical stuff. It just is like, that's just, it's, it's weird, but it's, it's, it's weird, but it's not weird, man. It's like any other business, you know? It's not that it's not that different from the oil and gas business or any one of a number of other businesses like, I mean, tech or whatever, like, you know, they all got they all got their hands in the pie. And there's people that are really good at what they do that I'm not condemning them for it. But, man, when those players are involved, there's your chances of success for that song or that album for that artist goes up, you know. See, I think all of it's going to change soon, though. I think I think because of social media and I think if I think you have people now to whether they realize it or not, like you have folks that have five million, whatever. They got millions and millions of followers on social media now. Right? I think what you're going to start having is you're going to have people, an independent artist um, that's going to say, you know what, instead of me going to a record label and saying how hey, you do my marketing or whatever. How about I own the rights to my stuff? Let me go to one of these social media influencers. Let me pay them a couple thousand dollars to every day for a couple months or every day for a month before my album comes out. Let me pay them to promote my album and me own everything to my stuff. And if they do that, then I think you, I think you come out better. These social media influencers end up being kingmakers is what I call them to where mm -hmm. you're going to cut out a large portion of some of these marketing companies or what's going to happen is these marketing companies are going to hire these people. As soon as they realize that somebody like some of my friends that have been on this show can do more with one, one minute post than they can do by spending $10,000 a month on a damn billboard in Nashville or somewhere else or some radio right. play. It's right. going to, it's going to completely change the game. You, yeah. you, you could give me a $50,000 budget. You could give me a $50,000 budget, which is probably nothing to a, to a whatever company in Nashville and, for sure. and tell me, Hey, I've got a song coming out. What can you do for $50,000? I could go to 50 different, if not more influencers on social media that had over a million different followers, but find each one of them that had a different demographic and have a potential of you reaching 50 million potential, if not, or maybe not a pinch, uh, several million, because they're going to cross sure. over at some point, to where it would have cost uh, a record label millions of dollars. It's not, right. it's, it's not the same game anymore. Like, no, because, you're right. Because of social media, and if people don't like learn to do that, Cody Johnson's probably the biggest reason behind it in my mind. When he decided to stay independent for as long as he did, did stuff, he – that he did his way 
it kind of showed that you can do it. And now with all these people on social media that just have influencer now actually means something. I don't think it meant anything a couple of years ago. Now I think it actually does if you're connected with the right people. Well, it can. Some. Some. I mean, some, some people are trying to be but really yeah maybe don't have a lot of influence but they're trying to get there and yeah. do it, you know, i mean i wish them all the luck but you know cody johnson um i mean texas guy uh you know that wasn't by mistake either that was very much by design and i mean those records now are sound like nashville records yeah i mean right so but for a number of years man they, yeah they held out but you know he has a very 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 talented manager yeah so um you know, that, that, the guy working with Cody, I know him personally, manages a couple other folks that I know, Roger Crager being one, another Texas cat and friend of mine. And um, there's, you know, there's a reason why that, that whole thing played out with Warner Brothers or wherever Cody Johnson is these days. But, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, they finally found the right, the right deal at the right time to sort of launch it, um, sort of the next level. And, and um, I'm sure Cody's a really smart guy. I don't really know him, but uh, but I know his manager's on top of his game for sure. So, yeah, like I said, going back to whether it's employing a social media influencer or whatever the case, whoever's on your team matters. Yeah. And in, in Cody's case, again, to my earlier point and kind of tying in with your social influence influencer sort of point, who you employ matters and who you who you work with matters, who your partners are matters. And and Cody's case, he's got a great manager. So, um, you know, that, that's a factor, huge factor. So, you know, they did a great job with that and that, continue to. That, that being said, before we kind of get into some of your backstory, just remember, anytime you have something coming out, you got to let me know. Any, any, oh, yeah, man. Any, anytime. We do it for anybody that's been on the show. We do we do special releases or whatever. We add their music to the show sometimes. We, oh, we, for sure. We do it all the time. Probably I mean, for- I guess we, we talked about it right before we started rolling here, but like, I mean, I'm in Nashville. I'm probably moving to Texas here shortly back home and uh, also lived out in California as a kid. So I've got that kind of West Coast sort of side to what I do. And I'm kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a marriage of the two, the two worlds, Texas, and California. I mean, I'm not the first like that. I mean, Willie grew up in Texas, spent time in California, Buck Owens grew up in texas wound up being you know baker king of bakersfield you know for a time and and, and then in nashville too with with hee-haw and which happens to be the hat that i'm wearing today but like <laughs> um so the texas california country connection is an interesting one you know it's really really interesting they say that um well i i, I digress but that being said i'm making a record right now so i appreciate your offer to let people know about the new music when it does come out but I'm making that record in Los Angeles is something we were talking about right before the show started and um, making it with a uh, guitarist legend producer, Pete Anderson, someone I admire greatly. He's working with everybody from, from uh, gosh, Dwight Yoakam to uh, Roy Orbison, Buck Owens himself. Um, other, other genres like Michelle shocked uh, who, who kind of, you know, obviously not in the country genre, but uh, and just a, you know, I, did I say Jackson Brown? Not sure. Um, but you, you yeah, hadn't yet, but you, you definitely need to drop that name. Yeah, man. I mean, just <laughs> great, a great representation of like California 
country rock, you know, that, that Jackson Brown stuff is really, really cool. Very underrated. Um, and Pete's, you know, been involved with, with all that stuff and more stuff. I'm not even thinking to, to mention right now. That's truly legendary. Katie Lang. I mean, crazy. Come on. Right. Um, so he's, he's just one of my favorite producers and, and guitar players of all time. And it's really awesome to be, we're, we just tracked 12 songs, 12 song album. And, um, we're in the process of finishing that up. So I'm, I'm super pumped. We're going to, you know, we're going to be shopping it around and try to figure out putting that team together. Like you and I've been talking about. So um, really want to do it justice because it deserves it. You know, I mean, the last record I made was uh, came out during the pandemic and really strong record. I'm still really proud of it. And I tour and I play a lot of those songs when we tour and heading out this week for Iowa and uh, Nebraska for three shows play probably about half the show is this current album uh it's called yellow rose motel um it's apple spotify amazon whatever you know youtube anywhere you look for mu your music you'll find it but um it's uh it's a really cool record but this one next one is going to be man it's going to say it's going to say goodbye to commercial contemporary nashville that's the one that's got eastwood on it isn't it yeah that's yeah. a badass song, dude. That that's the thanks, man. I, I already liked uh, a couple that I heard before that, but when I heard Eastwood, yeah, it, Eastwood snatched me. Like that that's one of those songs that as soon as I heard it, I was like, okay, thanks, man. That's I, I, cool. I, yeah, I, it, th yeah. That I think our buddy, I think our buddy Creed would probably dig that song. Oh, he too, would. But, um, but yeah, it's a really cool song. We actually led off the release of the album with that song. Okay, and, and we, we made three videos on the album. That was the first and uh put it you know pitched it to cmt and man they played it and it went number one on this little their cmt chart whatever that means so that was a cool way to introduce the record to everybody and have that have that talking point you know um it was all really cool and, and until of course everybody's world changed you know when, when the pandemic hit it was like well I guess that uh, 16 17 18 20 city tours ain't gonna be happening any, you know anytime yeah. soon so it was crazy man and waited a whole year and then started playing the shows with the quote unquote new album, which didn't feel so new anymore. You know? Yeah. That's hard. Uh, I've got several friends that got crazy completely screwed by it, man. I got a buddy who had uh, busted his ass for, I'm talking about years. And uh, he finally was going on the road as the opening act for two bigger acts and uh, two big acts that now have blown up real big. And he, he's just as good, like just as good. He was the baby out of them. And yeah. Because of COVID, he had just bought a house, everything else, and everything went just downhill because of it. And yeah. he's, he's having to restart over, dude. It, it screwed so many people. Um, I hate that because that album, I haven't got a chance to listen to all of it yet, but I know that the few that I've listened off of, especially that Eastwood song, dude, that's a Thanks, banger. Man. That's a banger. You, thank you. I mean, I feel sorry. Please tell your friend, don't, don't get down and keep, 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 keep digging at it, you know, keep pushing. But like, if you're going to listen to another song, maybe go straight to the 12th final song on the record. It's, it's the title track. It's called Yellow Rose Motel. And I really just wanted to write a song. Like, I mean, growing up, I've talked a lot about Texas country and Bakersfield, West Coast country. Um, but growing up, I mean, it was Willie Nelson. Like, that's the guy that kicked it off. Yeah. We really got it going and um man it was the redheaded stranger album and like i was like i don't know i was probably like 12 13 years old or something but my parents would always listen to that stuff or maybe i was eight or nine i don't even know but like my parents would always ha have those vinyl records sitting around and 
that album was cool because it was super acoustic. You could really hear the acoustic guitar. It was pretty stripped down. And he, it was kind of a story album. Like every song was sort of connected. If you really listen to it, it's the redheaded stranger is Willie, but he, he sort of sets himself in this old Western sort of movie, like talking about preachers and women trying to steal his horse of his lover and he shoots her and all kinds of, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy stuff happening. And throughout that record, like can't blame a man for, for killing a woman who's trying to steal your horse. Like it's, wild like it's super western anyway i grew up a huge willie nelson fan and i still play a, a dedicated a, a willie song to sort of willie every night when i play on tour and um so this album i really want to write a song like redheaded stranger which is where he kills a woman who's trying to steal a, the horse of his lover and uh i came up with the song yellow rose motel and it's a guy who falls in love with a with a prostitute and continues to you know go back to her, have a relationship with her. And uh, he finally realizes it's nothing but business for her. And he shows up one night knocking on her door at the motel at the yellow rose motel, which is the name of the album. And he, he sees her in there, you know, with somebody else, uh, whatever client, (laughs) if you will. And he winds up shooting them both and killing them. And it drives him crazy. He kills, he kills him, the client and her. And And he, gets of course he's certifiable charged with murder and you know goes to jail and and that's the sort of final verse of the title track on the album it's a crazy song it's pretty cool it, it's a de- definitely a departure for me it's a it's set in a very dark sort of blues sort of territory and you should check it out it's a no, six you, song it has it, no place on country radio whatsoever the best songs don't no yeah. I, you've already sold me on it like when you started <laughs> off by saying he fell in love with the prostitute uh, I, I look as a, as a, for the, for the younger audience that listens to this show, I'm just going to tell you, and, is, is and, there one? <laughs> I know. So I like my listening audience is like between 70 and 75% women. Anyway, men usually don't like me. Um, really? Why? I fuck if I know they, I don't, I don't know. Men don't like me. And I, I don't, I couldn't tell you it's, I, I just rub some men the wrong way. I, I, I don't know. But um, but for the younger ones, if y'all are listening, I'm 34. I don't know how old you are, Mr. George. Oh, 29. There you go, 29. So he's close enough, you know. <laughs> no, I got you by a few years. Trust okay, me. okay. So until you hit about 30, you might not like Willie Nelson because I don't think I really liked Willie until I got a little bit older to actually respected his art. Like until you actually listen to his words or whatever. Once you get past kind of the voice a little bit. And once you yeah, get past, yeah. and but once you get past it, you actually love it even like you you love it once you get it. It takes yeah. a while to get, but it can. I didn't, I didn't like it as a child. I did. I it's, just cor- like, it's he's quirky, man. He's yeah. quirky. I, yeah, um, I, I didn't like it, but now that you're right, the redheaded stranger when the song "Time for a Preacher," uh, and there's another yeah. one there that I absolutely love. Time for yes. Oh my god. One. And and then yeah, he's, cool. him, him and Merle have a song, um, uh, a horse named Music, and mm-hmm. oh my god, I'm, I listen to Willie all day. But if you're if that Yellow Rose Motel is anything like a Willie song like that, and the way you're describing it in my head, yeah, you can tell you're a songwriter. You know why? Because even when you're sitting here talking about the song, you're putting so much detail into telling me about it. I already have an image of it in my head. 
That is the best songwriters in the world to me. Even before I even hear a lick of it, I almost have the melody in my head already. I know what it's going to sound like. I know it's going to be good. Yeah, thanks, man. Josh, thank you, brother. That's when you know you're good. I'm proud of it, man. It's a a real, you know, it was a challenge uh, to write, and it was a a departure, you know. You could stay in your same little box and be safe and comfortable, but, like, that was a real... That was a real creative endeavor, a real artistic endeavor that between me and and my co- co-writer, who's very talented. His name's Jeremy Crady, and he lives in Nashville here. And you know, he hadn't had. I mean, he's talented. He is super talented. And man, he's had like one Eric Church cut or something like that. He just never had the ball roll his way. You know, like sometimes there's a fumble on the football field, and like it falls right in your hands, and you get lucky, and then it, like it changes the game. And then other times there's a fumble, and you just just then the ball doesn't bounce your way or whatever, you know, there's a pass in the air, like tipped up in the air and just doesn't, you can't get to it. That's kind of Jeremy, man. He's super talented cat, but we wrote that song together. We challenged ourselves. Like we really challenged ourselves. We, we referenced everything from hotel California to, to Willie Nelson's redheaded stranger. And just the, the storytelling of those songs, like, cause you listen to hotel California, man, Holy smokes, man. I mean, wow do you go back and like read those lyrics and like really listen to the song it's out there i mean it's kind of like a big old drug trip or something but yeah. and I'm, i don't condone that but i'm just saying it's it is it is amazing like it's amazing that song had to come out what in the 70s yeah all right so yeah. i bet you they could, were tripping they had to be tripping on oh something. they had they had to be but you could listen to it now and not heard it for a couple of years or listen to it every day you're still going to hear something new in that song and songs like it there's oh always God. there's always something new in it because there's just so on a dark desert highway cooling in my head. Man, it's just just so vibey, man. It's just so. It, you said something a while ago though. You said something that was completely out of your it was co- out of your comfort zone to do that song. One thing I really believe in uh, is nothing extraordinary ever comes out of staying in your comfort zone. You always got to like switch it up and do something that makes you feel uncomfortable. But usually when you do something that makes you feel uncomfortable, man, something crazy comes out of it. Something crazy (laughs) good comes out of it. I think, I really do think the way that, I mean, we've seen it time and time again to where country music has changed. We had the outlaw stuff back in the 70s and 60s, and we had the the weird 80s, which I love. I love the weird stuff that came out of the 80s. The 90s is, to me, 90s because – Sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. 2000s started trickling downhill. The pop country shit comes in the late. And then now I think it's taking a turn again. I think that it's a whole different wave that's fixing the hit. I think women outlaw country is fixing the hit. I, I, I can just see it with this wave of women that I've seen in Nashville lately that have just this attitude, this chip on their shoulder, that it, they have just been beat down. They're tired of being put behind the guys or whatever. And there's some badass women that are ready to sing about some shit. But I think with the men too, I think like the older traditional stuff is coming back. I think that's mm-hmm. what everybody wants to hear. So you doing stuff like that and that Eastwood song uh, and some more stuff that you got coming. Cause I know you was telling me about the, the guy who is uh, producing the album that he did the uh, guitars and he Cadillacs did. and everything for uh, yeah. for Dwight and all that. I think yeah. that kind of stuff is fixing to be big again. I think, I think you Man, might be fixing I, it at a sweet spot. I, I hope so. I mean, um, I, I, I don't care in one, yeah. in one sense. I really don't give a shit. 
because I know what we're doing is special. Yeah. Like I, I don't mean to sound flippant or like an asshole, but I just, I know what we're doing is going to be, is going to be the shit. I yeah. mean, there's just, if you don't hear it, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. You know, it's going to be a great album. It's, it's 12 songs that are going to be just like cohesive as hell. And um, every song has its place and it's going to have all, representations of everything that i love about country music on it in every form and facet whether it's some vibey so, sort of 70s vibe or whether it's some honky tonk as hell um just hardcore like two-stepping thing and and you know where you know like you referenced honky tonk man or, or guitars cadillacs you know there's there's some of that stuff there and and then there's 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 other stuff that's just like I mean, I don't know. It could be John Conley or some shit, or Merle, Hag- or, or Merle Haggard in, in '67 or something, yeah. you know, or or '71 or whatever. Like truly, and we reference those things like on purpose. I mean, when we, you know, I would play him a song and it's rare and, and, and it's stripped down form. And I mean, I, we met on the during the dark days of the pandemic, like April of 2020, on the phone. His his you know Pete Anderson's uh, assistant Kevin emailed me said hey pete will call you call you five o'clock on a friday what's your cell on this friday what's your cell and i was like here it is and i was like thinking to myself sure he's gonna call me at five o'clock on friday pete anderson you know and i mean this is like april early april of 2020 when everybody was really losing their shit not knowing yeah what, what the world was turning to and pete anderson's supposed to call me at you know five o'clock on friday and sure enough he does and we hit it off and from there I mean, I just said, man, you're my favorite producer in all genres, across all genres. Like, I'm not blowing smoke up your uh, up your ass. I'm just saying you're my favorite producer and, and your fa- my favorite guitar player. It's you're either one A or one B, and the other guy is Stevie Ray Vaughan, the great blues Texas blues guy, and um, and he's not exactly around anymore. He died, of course, unfortunately. Um, God rest his soul. But he died in a plane crash. I don't know, t- two decades ago. And uh, but great, you know, Pride and Joy, if you know that song, uh, there's just a, good, a lot of great songs. But anyway, um, and he laughed at that, like the, that he was one A or one B. And from there, man, we just talked for two more hours and like started. He's like, well, send me some songs. Started sending him some songs. We wound up doing all the pre-production for the album via Zoom, like you and me right now, going over every song and spending like just however much time we needed, man, because everybody had nothing but time in 2020, you know? And so we out through him like probably 20 songs. We wheeled it down to 12. And I mean, but he was like, oh man, that's great. Play it in this key. Okay, let me hear your voice in this key. Play it at 171 beats per minute. Now play it at 164 beats per minute. Play it at 136 beats per minute in this key. Like literally we, we refined these songs to the point where, I mean, I actually told Pete, I'm like, I, I'm going to make you, co-writer on these songs because you have had that much influence and input in improving them and 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 and, and if a songwriter is not an editor they ain't shit yeah if you can't edit yourself or somebody else you're not a songwriter you got to be able to look at something and figure out what's wrong with it and how to make it better Um, or maybe maybe not wrong just how to enhance it how to maximize it and pete has that ability and I counted him as co-writer on probably half the songs, almost half the songs on the album. And he was like, wow, you know, nobody's ever done that for, for me before. Like, that's cool. Um, so it was a real, like, cause we had all that time to like do nothing but make everything as good as it can possibly be. And we, walk, we got in the studio. It's like, 
man, he's as excited as I am about this record. Like he's more excited about this record. He'll call me and go, George, this is a, this is monumental. This is a fucking monument to country music. Like he, this is Pete Anderson talking. who has got multi-platinum shit on his wall, you know? And I'm just like, wow. I mean, that's like, it's been an incredible process, man. I would like, it's just been amazing. Like it's been a hell of a way to come out of the pandemic. That's cool. Uh, what, what I meant while ago, whether anybody hears it or not, one thing that I like to, uh, like country music or whatever, I don't give a shit about them here. And there are certain people. One, one thing that I'm all about, dude, is legacy. And it's about mm-hmm. making the things that you want to make and playing the music you want to do and me doing the things I want to do, having the people on the show that I want to have. Sure. It's, it's not about, like, I don't think that when Haggard, Jones, uh, Waylon, or Willie, whoever, whenever they made music, I don't think they made it to be on radio. I think they made it because it was theirs and that they wanted to leave their mark on music. So when you say stuff like that, in my mind, that's you leaving your mark on music. That's your legacy. A lot yeah. of a lot of people do it. The You're ass, right. A, a You're lot right. Of, yeah, a lot of people do it the ass backwards way. They're like, "Oh, I want to make a song that's going to be on radio, and maybe it's my legacy one day." No, that's not the fucking way they did it. They did it to where they were going to make themselves, put themselves out there, and then that's why we're still singing their songs 30, 40 years later. You're, You're right. Yeah, that's that's my stuff. That that's what I like. That's where when you hear your passion, when you sit there and you talk about what you were just with those 12 songs and your rest of your music, dude, that's going to be your legacy. You don't give yeah. it the fact that you don't really care. That just means yeah. that you're an artist. That is what an artist is to me. Yeah, no, they have to be willing to just like fly too close to the sun and burn their wings. You yes. know, I mean, I, and I wish I'd have figured that out. Maybe, I don't know. 10 years ago or whatever, but like I got kind of thrown into the national machine as a songwriter and I've been fortunate. And I don't know if you know this, but like, and I'm not bragging I'm just saying it's been a great career. And I, I, ha- I happened to raise two kids at the same time and came off the road. I was, I was signed to Capitol, had hits on the radio, four or five billboard hits. Lipstick promises was a big song for me. It was, took me multiple countries all around the world and toured for a number of years. And then I turned into a songwriter, like my deal at Capitol ended, had baby number one, and uh, started to write songs and or just kept writing songs because I wrote my whole first two albums on Capitol. But I turned into a songwriter, turned into like, OK, well, what do we got to write today? You know, and, and that's not that's the opposite of what you're talking about. That's the opposite of, man, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to live and die with this record. Like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. But, you know, I was writing these songs and every now and then one would fall in the hands of whatever. I, I mean, I had a number, you know, number of hits on the radio as a songwriter after having hits on the radio as an artist, like Garth recorded Beer Run and he made a duet with George Jones and was nominated for a Grammy. You know, just a fun song about drinking beer, something we all do, And a lot of, but there's a lot of country music songs about drinking beer. It's not a song I probably would have recorded. I don't mind it, but it's just probably not my thing, but I'm proud as hell that they recorded it, especially George Jones. Just I'll casually just drop that. No, just, ca- just casually drop <laughs> that. Yeah, no, it's no big deal. I mean, but it's, it's, it's no a big good, deal. But it's good fortune, you know. I don't mean that it's not it's not artistic genius. No, I know, I know, I know, I know exactly know? what you mean. I know exactly. You what know you what mean. I'm saying. And so I yeah. made a good living at that for a number of years. But then after I kind of just kind of got tired of writing all these songs, I wanted to get out and be an artist again. Man, I kind of forgot how to do it. Like you def- you have to not give a shit. Don't give a shit. And and all these guys give a shit too much. They just want to fit in in their little club or whatever. But man, and I'm finally like took me. A 
took me a couple albums to get back to not giving a shit. And now this one is like, I mean, Yellow Rose Motel, I think is a great album. And I do encourage you to go listen to that song where I finally murder people in a song. But like this Can't next record, this next record is going to be uh, something. I'm, I mean, literally, like if it's the last thing I do, I'll be cool with that. Like, cool. honestly yeah it's pretty neat like that's pretty good place to that's a good place to be like you know we also we should all be in that place if this is the last day i live then i'm okay with that because i've lived today the right way the way i want to be the way i want to live treat others the way i want to treat others pursue the things i wanted to pursue dreamt the things i wanted to dream seek them out chase them as hard as i could regret nothing you know and that's that's the way to be yeah, well, I mean, you don't get a second chance at it. I think we it takes no, us too it, it takes us too long to learn that lesson that we don't get a second chance at it. And uh, my my favorite is I was having to explain. So true. I, I was having so to explain true. this to a guest last night. It's one of my real good friends that we had on the show. Um, my favorite is book and movie of all time. And you being a Texas person, I'm going to be heartbroken if you don't know it. Is is Lonesome Dove? Uh, oh man, yeah, Lon- Lonesome Dove is. Gus McRae is my favoriteest character uh, of yeah. anything of all time, right? I've got my favorite, my favoriteest. <laughs> yeah, my favoriteest. So on my I side, on my side right here, I've got tattooed to always remind me. Uh, I'm giving fist, you fist, bump, bump. fist bumps. Yeah. So I've got tattooed on my side. It's not dying. I'm talking about it's living. And the older I get, the more I realize that we're just too. What, what's the quote again? I'm, I'm, I'm. It's not dying. I'm talking about it's living. Um, right. so yeah, it's, I read the book. I read the book. I watched the movie. It's yeah. just been, a, it's been a while. Like I watched I it, man, honestly, I haven't read that many books. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of sad to say it, but like, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it, but I, I, I don't have the attention span anymore. I, I think a lot of us suffer from that, but I did read Logan's and Dove start to finish. And I saw the movie and I remember that quote, but I had to be reminded of what it was exactly. It was. I'll make you feel it's a little sorry. bit. Be- I'm sorry. Go on. No, I, you're I fine. I'll, ma- I'll make you feel a little bit better. George. I've read two books in my life. One's the Bible and one's Lonesome Dove. So, uh, and the only reason I've re- <laughs> the only reason I read Lonesome Dove is because I love the damn movie so much. And I wanted to see if the book was any better. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the only reason why. Well, dude i love it yeah that, i love it that's it but um you know what's weird though thinking about what think about what we're missing out on what's that a lot of good books probably right well, probably they should have made into a movie <laughs> <laughs> dude that's hysterical that's so american that's so american of you to say i, I i'm full-blooded red white and blue <laughs> running through these veins i don't run from shit i love it dude i love it but like anymore i hardly have attention span to watch a movie yeah i can't read i'm dyslexic anyway but but watch a movie even it's hard to commit to even watching a movie now well since i have my own studio all i ever do is i record shows i listen to music i started writing music not long ago uh all i do is that that was that that was a mistake yeah that was that was your fatal flaw right there it was there's an organization up in nashville called creative vets i don't know if you're uh, familiar with them or not um all right so it's a veteran organization that helps veterans who have mental health issues um that uh, uh they take veterans who have mental health issues and they help them turn their mental health issues into songs or art so, like, you, uh, one of our real good friends who has a song coming out March the 17th, I'm going to keep promoting it for him, uh, Mr. Jesse Wayne Taylor, who's been on the show several times. Uh, last time I was in Nashville, Jesse does a show with us. 
uh, he's one of the songwriters who works with Creative Vets. He invites me to the Creative Vets studio the day after we do a songwriter's round. And uh, he's like, I want you to meet some of these guys and everything. So I go to meet with them. And um, they, I get to get, find out some of the stories about some of these guys and everything and all this. After the show's over, or after I get done um, talking to some of them, he takes me outside. He's like, look, you're around songwriters all day, every day. Uh, I've heard your story about when you used to write poetry. When I was little, uh, when I was little, I used to write poetry all the time, but I was also like an athlete. My friends uh, used to pick on me. I had a poem that got published in Young Poets of America, and, like, it got announced over the intercom when I was, like, in middle school. And so, like, my friends picked on me about it. I was on the baseball team, so I quit writing because I didn't want to get picked on again. Like, so I just I quit writing, and I gave it up. And so I never wrote anything again after that. So Jesse had heard the story on the show. And so, like, he pulled me aside after I went to the Creative Vets thing. Uh, with him and he's like look i want to help you write uh you're around us all the time you're so passionate about music you know if you were good at that 20 years ago maybe you can write music you know you can't play an instrument and god I, lord i love you but you didn't give me no talent to sing you knew i'd kill myself if i could sing and play guitar i'd get aid so damn quick it'd be stupid i love women way too much to have any musical talent and we and everybody knows that about me i couldn't be you because I'd, I'd 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 screw myself to death and i yeah. know it so so he's been working with me and then other the rest of my buddies they were like we never knew you wanted to write music like all you ever had to do was say you know, let's get a bottle of liquor or let's just sit down and write. So ever since that happened, that is all I have done is wanted to write. And it's like, it kind of has been like self-therapy to me. Like it's just, it's just been fun and I've enjoyed it. And some of it's been decent and some of it has been the most horrible things I've ever uh, seen in my life, but it's, it's just that's, been fun. That's, that's how you, that's how you, that's how you get to the next good thing. Yeah. Cause you're right. But Dude, I, that's great. I, I've that's enjoyed great. the shit out of it. That's great, man. That's great. I tell you, we should do that sometime. Hey, anytime you want to. Yeah, that's, that'd be great. I'd love it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's awesome that you probably that, that you not probably you did. <clears throat> you know, you finally got that across, and and that you had some guys around you that supported that vision and that and that sort of passion, and that you're able to do that now. I think it's killer, man. It's killer. Well, I think and you that don't have to be. You know, you don't have to be a guitar virtuoso or a, a virtuoso singer to be able to to do that. I mean, you don't have to be great. You just have to get the idea across. And it's about it's about the it's about the vision and the storytelling around it. You know, well, I think they hear like from the show and everything. I think they've heard me say a lot of good shit on the show. And then especially like on my Facebook and all that kind of stuff. I like writing stuff, but it usually like kind of storytelling stuff it's not lyrics or it'll be like one-liners or whatever and yeah. uh i think a like because i had been asked before like some of my buddies they'll be like hey if you're not going to use that you mind if i put it into a song and i'll be like i don't give a shit i, I mean what am i going to do with it and i think i think they've seen it now and they're like okay you know let's just if he's going to be around and he's going to aggravate the shit out of us already let's just let's, let's see if we can make him write music and make us a you know at least have fun with him maybe turn it into a dollar or two I think so. I mean, they can't, they should all be, you know, make, make it a group effort. Everybody contribute something to it. And, uh, you know, everybody's co-writers on it. You know, it's kind of yeah. like, I mean, there's different ways to contribute to the song. It can be musically, 
lyrically, could be just the title, could be the verses, could be editing, everything, every everything and everybody else. There's a whole bunch of different ways to be a songwriter, you know. Well, I think, I think they've heard me talk so much now, too, about the chip that I have on my shoulder when it comes to how artists, songwriters, people like you. I'm not I don't even know how if you've been treated fairly, non-fairly, whatever, by radio or by certain people in Nashville. I don't know. But I know how some of my friends have been treated. And right. I, and it's where, you know. I want to be an advocate for those people. I say all the time, I love a struggling musician because if somebody's got the heart and the passion to keep fighting, it's almost like a prize fighter. You might've got your ass whooped a hundred times, but if you still got enough fire in your gut to keep going, you're going to end up being champion one day. Like it's, 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 and now like, I think they see that about me and what I'm trying to build with everything. It's not about me. There's a, there's a damn documentary series. If you ain't never seen it, you would love, I know you don't watch TV. But it's on Showtime. It's called Tales from the Tour Bus. Oh, I'm not saying I don't watch TV. Yeah, well, you get oh, I was this play. Uh, well, it's, it's called Tales from the Tour Bus, and uh, it's it's called Tales from the Tour Bus, and it's about Johnny Paycheck, George Jones, and Tammy Wynette. It's about uh, Waylon, Billy Joe Schaefer. Uh, no all, shit. Yeah, Billy Joe. It's all these people that were connected in one way or another. But it's the guy, Mike Judd, who did, like, uh, Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill. He's oh, the, my God. So he narrates it, and it's all the band members that are still alive. It's some of the it's – it's just so much to it. But oh, my God. Wait, th- what's it, what is it called again? It's called Tales from the Tour Bus. It is amazing. But I found something when I watched that, and it's, it's nothing that they talk about, but it's something that – if you are passionate about your friends and you're passionate about what you do and you're passionate about music, it just punches you in the face, whether you realize it or not. And it's, you had all these men and women and they work together. Like if like, I know one of the lines in one of it is, uh, Waylon wrote us, our Billy Joe Schaefer wrote a song, or almost a whole album that ended up being for, uh, Waylon Jennings. And it was where Billy was in the uh, studio and was cussing Waylon out because he wouldn't sing it the way he wanted to. And Waylon was like, you can get the fuck out of the studio. And Billy's like, no, if you're going to sing my damn songs, you're going to sing them the way you want to. You might not understand right now why I'm telling you to do it, but wait till they're done. And when it was done, uh, I can't remember what album it is, but it's, they say that it's the best. It's, it's like his first outlaw album. And it is where, when it was done, Waylon pretty much said, Billy, you was right. I was wrong. My bad. The point of all of it is, is if you get people that actually care about each other and work together, yeah, like, like and without selfishness, yeah, you right. might, you might write a song for, for one of my buddies that you can't do, but it works great for them, but vice versa too. I might end right. up being a, a okay writer to where I write something that is, awesome for you that you're not even part of but me knowing that instead of me giving it to some stupid ass publishing company and them taking a part of it why not us just all be involved together and be our own damn team how we talked about teams earlier like you create your own team create your own influencers create no you're right create your own marketing team your own family 
And right. and and that's just kind of like I think they hear me talk about it, how passionate I am. So they like in one way or another. Besides for me, just putting people on and on the show and everything. And I love it, man. There. I love it. You're I, right. Yeah, I get passionate. 100, I get weird. Hundred, I get weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's what all the girls say. That, no, that. I mean, but you're right, man. You're right. You're right about all that. You're you're better off chasing it that way with a group of other people, like-minded people, that maybe they don't have deep pockets, maybe not the biggest game in town, but they get it. They get what yeah. you're doing. They can contribute to it in some way, some meaningful way. And, and they, and they're behind it and they're, they're, they're going to stay behind it because they believe in it here. Like not with their pocketbook, but right there. And that's a difference, man. That's a difference between somebody that's real and, you know, that's, that has a creative vision and that's a true partner. It's not just, you know, some spineless corporate clown down on Music Row. So, um, yeah, those guys are just clowns. They're just frat boys and clowns. They don't even care about music, dude. Nah, I could name them by name, but they know who they are. <laughs> Literally, bro. Literally. Yeah, yeah. The fact that you've got people like Conway Twitty that wouldn't stand a fucking chance today. And I'm not even the biggest Conway fan. I love I like a lot of Conway now. Don't get me wrong. Sure, man. They yeah. w- they wouldn't listen to Conway, Willie. Mer- they, they wouldn't give two shits. They would say this isn't. We don't no, care. Cor- corporate radio clowns would be like they wouldn't get it. You know the not the first time I played the Grand Ole Opry, I was so honored, man. I had my two kids there, and they were young, young, young. But like they were. By the, by the way, you're the first person I've had on this show that's played there. So you just uh, once you know that's a special moment for me. Oh, that's cool, dude. I mean, I was look, it was a special moment for me. I brought my kids. Like, I mean, I was going through a divorce at the time, but I still brought my kids. So like, y'all gotta come see this. And damn uh, right. Man, it was so cool. It, it, it and but you know what was so cool? You mentioned Conway. Similar, similar guy. Um playing that night was another dude sort of of Conway's era, and it was John Conley. Oh, yeah, I love John Conley. Man, what a great voice, dude. What a kill and what a nice man. And he spent time with my kids backstage after we both had played and we got pictures with him. And I was like, man, John Conley, wow. Like that's urban cowboy era. Like, I mean, I was young, young, but how cool is that? Like, that's before I was even picking up a guitar yet or anything, but I was influenced by it just because you couldn't not be looking for love not that that's john conley i know yeah. it's john not that's johnny lee but like that whole era and john conley was sort of a part of that era like i mean that that started me on my way in a way you know between that and willie nelson anyway john conley played and i played that night and like i got my picks my pick taken with him you know me and my kids with john conley and holy smokes man that's just like stuff like that it's like that's crazy and then i after i finished um Hold on a sec. I got a call here. Um, You're fine. Okay, there it is. So, so after after I finished my part of the show, which is only like you know, you get up on the opera, you play two songs. I walked off stage, and and the the wonderful old lady, and I can't remember her name. She's been working the opera for years on the side of the stage, like ushering people on and off. She was like, "Your kids are so proud of you right now. Um, they're just grinning from ear to ear." And I'm like, "Oh, really? That's so sweet." And I walk over to my, my, my two kids and I got a daughter and a son and, and they looked at me, they were just giggling, giggling. And I'm like, what are y'all laughing at? 
and they were like, Dad, what's up with the fake country accent? (laughs) (laughs) They were just, they were smiling because they were proud of me. They were smiling because they thought I was like, like playing up the country thing or something, you know, like, which, you know, that kind of goes in and out. You know, I don't know how your country, your accent is, but it's kind of also sort of based on who you're talking to, you know, like I'm influenced by who I'm talking to. So if I'm out on the West coast and they're, Hey, you guys, and like, it's, it becomes you guys real quick. If I'm in Texas, it's y'all. And that's just how I, that's, I kind of roll with it, you know, but I, I think my draw sounds the same all the time till I get drunk. And then you can't understand a goddamn thing I say. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this lady at the Opry thought they were just proud of me, but that wasn't the case. They were just laughing at me. They were, they were laughing at dad. It's pretty funny. That's great. <laughs> uh, you got any other big moments? Like that's the kind of stuff that, like that that those kind of things right there is what when people hear, they just they get invested in you and they love you and they're just like, I got to know more about him. Uh, what? Oh man, you had any more it. like like highlights that are just because I plan on having you back on the show, so we'll we'll cut this in the next few minutes, but. Is there anything else that was has just stood out in your career that has just been, you know? Oh man, there's been so much. I mean, uh, you know, for all the times I've cursed my career, um, there's been a lot of cool moments. You know, that I'll take to, I'll pr- probably take the grave one day. I mean, I've toured just about everywhere and um, everywhere from Brazil to Switzerland to all over the U.S. and you know, some horrible stages and some amazing stages. You know, it's like but it's not unlike anybody else. I mean, you know, like you think of like Waylon Jennings or Willie or whatever. I mean, I don't know, Christopherson or even Garth Brooks, man, they've all played, they've all played the bars where, you know, they got the chicken, chicken wire up in front. And then they played the most amazing of, you know, stages and Coliseums and stuff. And I mean, I've played a lot more chicken wire than I have uh, amazing stages, but, I mean, I've played a Wim- I've played Wembley Arena in London, and it's not that has a headliner, but it's so you know it's on a show with Reba McIntyre, and like getting to go to England and taking a band of Texas boys all the way to London for the first time when some of those cats had never crossed the streets. Not me, but some of those guys had never crossed the the uh, state line before, you know. And what a cool thing, you know. Like that's um, that was an amazing experience. I mean, we were not the headliner; we were the third act on the bill of like a six or eight you know uh six or eight artists you know roster on that on that particular show but still just really really cool or going to play switzerland or all kinds of stuff i mean man and then having your songs recorded by the dixie chicks or garth's we talked about george jones singing on singing a duet and one you know that same song and um sarah evans recorded one of my songs and went number one for three weeks on the billboard chart stuff like crazy stuff like you don't know. I think it's just kind of like any other job, honestly. Um, you follow your you, you follow your heart, work hard. If it's your passion, you love it, and you continue to work hard. You get frustrated, but you keep at it because it's your passion. You can't help it, and like that's where luck happens. Like hard work meets opportunity, and like just overlaps, and eventually something happens, falls through the cracks, and something by God somehow takes takes you know takes hold and, and you you know what i mean it's definitely 
it's definitely not luck in your case. I'm gonna tell you that it's not luck, and uh, you're way more humble than uh than, oh, you, need, than you need to be. I, I'm I, I, not. We all got egos, but I mean, I, yeah. I honestly, it is it is sort of luck because there's guys out there, man. There's I write with them. The guy I wrote this whole album with, almost this whole album, this that I'm recording out in California with Pete Anderson, wrote ten out of the twelve songs, or maybe nine. Phenomenal, phenomenal cat, great friend. His name's name's Jacob Lida. So talented of a writer. Like, I mean, it's I'm humble because that I know how good he is. I know he's as good or better a writer than me. But together we're great, you know, and we know what we're doing. We know what we're chasing. And that's that vision, that that co-vision and that co-writer room that it really counts for something. Because if you're not on the same page, it doesn't, man, you're just gonna write some music row schmo you know like you're just gonna write some garbage you know get it done go to lunch or dinner or whatever go have a beer but like he knows what i'm after and i know what he can do with what i'm as far as it pertains to me and we're not trying to do anybody else and he's so talented but yet man i'm humble because i know how talented he is at least as talented or more talented than me and yet um man he isn't like He's out there building houses, you know, phenomenal houses, by the way. But he's out there building houses and writing songs like that's humbling. That's humbling for me, not him. That's humbling for me because like this cat's dude, you talk about Conway Twitty. He could sound like Conway Twitty or Elvis all in the same breath. I mean, I'm not talking about just a talented songwriter. He's a talented artist. He, it's like a, a huge testament to Nashville's failure is the fact that Jacob or Jeffrey Steele maybe a name you've heard like a number of them are not major stars are not Bruce Springsteen, you know, like it's crazy how much talent there is. It's not getting heard out there. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm humble because of that. Dude, you're uh, I, I, I'm telling you, I love you. Me and you, <laughs> me and you, me and you are going to be best. Uh, I'm just Thank telling you, you right now. Uh, there's a certain, there's a certain people that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I just I just know they're good people and they've got they, they just got something they just got fucking something it, like likewise dude yeah likewise yeah likewise. um I don't I, even like people man I, I it's funny I Are fucking hate like, everybody I literally I, hate I don't everyone. I don't like people I don't like people I don't really like Georgia guys but I think I you're awesome <laughs> I hate them all I'm kidding, I'm kidding. no I, I literally do the only there's like 10 <laughs> Georgia people I like Two of them are still here, and the other six live in fucking Nashville. But I don't like anybody. That's literally it. I'm I'm such a weird person. Uh, I love it, man. I love not, it, dude. Uh, Miss George, it was a pleasure to have you on. I hope I can get you back Likewise. on a, again uh, Anytime, and, man. And, hey, in, in the future. Dude, I'll call you. We could do something rolling down the road in the tour bus or whatever. Well, the tour I, sprinter, I should say. Hey, I'm not gonna lie to you. It's not gonna be too much longer. Uh. I'm going to free up some time because I'm fixing to bother you. Because like I said, we're going to be buddies. And uh, I'm going to come jump on the yeah. with y'all. And uh, I'm going to go to shows. Dude, come on. I mean, I there's will. room. There's literally room. It's a stripped down four-piece band and a, and, and a merch girl uh, that's a good friend. I don't mean to say she's just a merch girl. She's not. She's the fiance <laughs> slash wife of, of my drummer. Like, it's all in the family on the road. Like, she's literally my drummer's fiance slash wife. I'm not sure what we call her. But they're they're great friends. And there's room for you, dude. There's a room no, I, and, I and, there's, and there's a bunk. It's not like a sprinter with just like those big bucket seats. Yep. It's like 
it's built out like a tour bus. It feels like a tour bus. Hey, look, you don't Come have to. You don't have to tempt me with a good time. Uh, look, I we got know, a bar. We got a bar back there, fully stocked. It's got your bourbon, all kinds of bourbon, all kinds. You're still trying to like egg it on, but I'm telling you, you, you sold me already, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm, right, already, I'm right. already in on this. Uh, but right. hey, look, just remember, just remember when we'll talk plenty of time between this. But folks. Go download every one of his songs. Don't listen to the first four. Don't listen to the first two. Listen to the whole catalog. The problem that people make when you're listening to a new artist, you want to listen to the first few that iTunes put out. Listen to every one of them. I even made the mistake by not listening to the song that he just told me about. I listened to the first six. I stopped because I wanted to talk to him first to get uh, his idea on what songs I needed to hear. Listen to right. every damn one of them. Share them to your his to your friends. Uh, you done heard this man now. You know what a badass he is. You know what's coming, and uh, we're gonna be sharing a lot of his stuff real, real soon. So, uh, Mr. Dude, George, tell them uh, tell them your social media handles real fast so they can Josh, uh, thank, look them up. Thank you, thank you for that kind um, you know description and, and and exit intro. Appreciate that. But yeah, they can y'all can find me anywhere. Please look me up and. I can't promise that I'll hit you back in any timely fashion, but I'll certainly try. But it's at George Dukas on everything. It's at George Dukas, G-E-O-R-G-E-D-U-C-A-S on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then georgedukas.com um, for everything, news, merch, and tour dates, et cetera. Um, that's my website, georgedukas.com. So y'all can find me at all those places. And on the road right now, I'm not a whole bunch but three shows this week like i said in the midwest and uh, then it's back to california to finish up this record and um hope to hope to really make waves with it so i can't thank you enough josh for having me on man and um it's been a real pleasure the bourbon was good and yes, the company was, and the company was better so dude my my, my bus is your bus and uh come out on the road <laughs> come let's do this man we'll have a freaking ball I absolutely i'm down so i'm down I, I, I mean that i mean you just get your way here and we'll make it happen there's a couple shows in michigan coming up in about four weeks so we'll trade numbers and let's do this dude be, let's do, i'm down flat. i'm down i got shit to do we have a ball we let's do it let's do it want. no i All do right. i do i'm i promise you you don't have to tempt my fat ass with a good time you let's mix you it. mix good country music good people and i know there's gonna be pretty women at your show oh i'm down all right well i'm down i'm down i'm maybe, down maybe one or two but you know Hey, they're all pretty at the end of the night. So there you go. You're damn right. Uh, folks, thank y'all for listening to the Josh Terry podcast. We will catch y'all next time.